0: It's very frustrating when everything is fine, uh, the products are um, tick all the boxes, uh, follow the legislation and everything. And then it's just uh, something missing on the paperwork and uh, it gets redirected or something. Or at some point, every country seems to have something, some different requirement, you know, not a blue pen, red pen and this way or that way and it uh, comes down to bureaucratic stuff at the end of the day and it's really, really annoying sometimes.
1: Hello, and welcome to For The Record, a new podcast series from RCVS Knowledge. In this episode, we hear from vets working as official veterinarians within the public health sector, some of whom trained in other European nations before moving to the UK. The first part of this episode was recorded on the 14th of December 2020 before the confirmation of the EU UK trade and cooperation agreement and all three participants are employed by Evelyn Jones the participants discuss their reasons for choosing to work in public health the challenges they have encountered and the relationships they have built they also talk about what they expect will be the impact on the sector of the UK leaving the EU
2: my name is Andre Mugurano I'm I'm a veterinarian from 2013, I graduate veterinary medicine faculty at uh, University of Agriculture and Veterinary Medicine in Bucharest. I've worked, I'm working in uh, UK from uh, 2016, so three years after my graduation, I uh, decided that I wanted uh, an international uh, experience and I wanted to start from somewhere and I had the opportunity to move, uh, to move here in UK. Good morning
3: everyone, my name is uh, Juan Avila. I'm a veterinarian. I graduated from the University of Cordoba in in Spain long, long ago. I came to to England with the intention of studying a Master of Science. And that's what I did in Reading University. I I did a Master of Science in in Food Technology because I always wanted to specialize myself in in public health. And and I've been working as an official veterinarian and, and also actually I'm now one of the directors of Evelyn Jones. I'm a part of carrying on working as as an OV, I have a responsibility in running the the company and uh, uh, recruiting uh, and supporting the the official veterinarians.
4: Hello everyone, my name is Sara Basto, I did my university in Portugal back in Vila Real I came here in the UK in 2018, so almost three years ago, because I've always wanted to go somewhere to live abroad, ever since I was really young, and UK was something that was like you see in the movies, comparing well, in my opinion, to Portugal. (laughs) So I moved here because I had someone that was already working for Evelyn Jones that did um, in my faculty back then. So I sent in my CV and like uh, three days after or something like this, they called me (laughs) and they said, oh, you can come in like two weeks. Okay, fine. So, so early. And I was really excited to come here. Um, and it has been great,
2: yeah. So my experience is a bit similar with moving uh, moving in UK. I already knew someone working here. Uh, a friend of mine, a colleague of university was uh, was already working for, uh, for Evelian Jones.
3: Oh, clearly it was uh, different on my situation. I first came here to, to do my Master in grading University. And my intention was to come back to Spain and, and get a job there. I have to say that back in the 90s, uh, very, very few vets could speak uh, this in English. Uh, Spanish vets, I mean, uh, could speak this in English. I would have, have a, a master of science in a prestigious university like Reading. But uh, I was trying to to find a, a job in this specialization of public health and I, I couldn't get a, any in Spain. I, I found one opportunity to work as an official veterinarian in the Lancashire region, I remember that interview took me one minute. That was it. And uh, they asked me if I was a vet, if I knew about uh, public health. I say, yeah, yeah. What are you doing at the moment? I'm doing a master's science in food technology. No interesting. What are you finishing? I'm finishing in September. Okay. You can start working the day after. And that's how I started uh, to work as an official veterinarian. It's true that I wanted to have that job in Spain, but uh, as, uh, as I couldn't get it, I was more than happy to have it here.
4: When I was back in uh, the university, I was more inclined to do exotic animals. And uh, I ended up doing my thesis in aquaculture. So it was quite a change. (laughs) And I stayed for two years and a half working in research in aquaculture uh, before I actually started to have an interest in public health. I did some kind of online food safety, like post-grad. And uh, he opened my uh, my mind to this kind of uh, area. And um, what about you, Andre? Did you only think of public health?
2: Uh, listen to your story. It's amazing. It's, quite, it's a bit quite similar with mine. <laughs> I mean, I've took in consideration all the time about uh, the food safety, even though in Romania in the last two years in university, you are choosing um, where you are doing the master in the same time with uh, the other subject uh, for of the faculty. And I've chose uh, the master for large animals. The main reason, honestly, it was uh, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to not have too much contact with uh, pets owners and uh, the farmers are different my, my, my family we are there the, my father is a farmer so I, I was more inclined to do to do this started to work in food safety first time a few months after I was finishing the university in a cutting plant in Romania I was working as a quality assistant so that was my first practically my first job in food safety. Uh, I can't say it was easy I can't say it was hard I mean uh, there were nice shifts and uh, a rota for them uh, after one year I passed uh, to another job I got I got another job as a quality manager in a superstore so it was a great job honestly a great great job and then I moved to the UK. I've worked as a MHI because uh, the anatomy, the pathologies were a little bit far away from me. They were like uh, all, already three years away from from my memory. So I started to remember everything I've, I've learned with four years ago, actually. I've worked like three months. And after that, I've moved for the for the OV course, which uh, remember me so much about the university. <laughs> it brought me back in time, you know and i've worked as mhi um, generally in small small uh, slaughterhouses small family businesses for the last three years around march i've took a new position as area resource manager so i'm managing the the resources that will have to be deployed for meat hygiene inspectors it's a new challenge i like what i'm doing i discovered in the meantime that I like to work with people, actually. <laughs> I like the food industry because it's ensuring everyone. And sometimes I feel that the society is not fully aware about the role that we are having inside of the slaughterhouse.
3: Yeah, I do agree with you, uh, Andre. I think um, it, it, the good thing about working uh, in public health as a veterinarian is the combination of working with people and, and working with animals in some respect and using your uh, knowledge as a veterinarian and also using your social skills because uh, uh, as you say they are completely different than, than pet owners that the people that you are dealing with that's what I like as well I like uh, working with people things that give me more, more satisfaction for the job of being able to, to support and help uh, those people all of them coming from abroad and trying to uh, settle down in a, in a different country uh, in, with uh, different customs uh, tradition and everything and and those people need uh, this kind of uh, support and help and, uh, and I like uh, being able to having a bit more experience you know been living here for much longer than most of the people in the company I am happy to, to, to help and transmit this uh, this experience so you know, we have, uh, as you say, Andre, you start to work as a meat hygiene inspector where you can concentrate more on pathologies and you, you see more uh, situations. And you can obviously refresh your memory from when you were a, st- a student at the university, and then you move into the physical veterinarian where you develop more your skills uh, in uh, animal welfare, you need to to, to do a, a very good important and important inspections so you have to be aware of the auto control systems of the plan. And again, you need to deal with the owner of the plant to make sure that he comply uh, with the regulations. And then we have the new uh, a specialization then then definitely is gonna get uh, much uh, much bigger than is the export side. The export is also so, something really interesting you know having to certify those products and then you send it abroad. So you have this variation of uh, different uh, specialization side uh, public health at the same time you might have a, a, a management
2: role. I mean what I will, uh, I will say and I like here but uh, in UK, comparing with Romania, the importance of the welfare for the for the public, because I mean the the laws are are based on what the the public opinion is re- is requesting from the government. So uh, when I saw how important is here uh, w- the welfare for for animals, and even if a single bird is having a, a wing trapped between the uh, the trace, and you have still to refer it for further investigation, I was amazed. UK is having the, the regulation much upper than the European Union in this matter, because the European Union had to standardize for the level of all the countries. So you'll have the Easter where it's very important, the, the, the hygiene and not, and not so, so much the, the welfare of the animals. And then you'll have the Western where it's the welfare, it's more important than hygiene, 100%. And that, as a vet, that was amazing for me. You can't do this job without loving animals. So I, I wanted to, um, to start uh, to, to discuss about exports as well, about, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a new thing, but the demand, the demand for exports, I think for the veterinary profession will be good, even though I'm not sharing the same opinion for the country as a whole. I mean, probably we'll have a food a little bit more expensive on the plate, but uh, for, for us as job, for veterinarians, definitely it might be an option. So I know friends which are a bit burnout out after working in clinic a, uh, a while. Uh, very good for, uh, vets, but still they said, I want to I want to do something else for a period.
4: As you, Andre, I also started as an MHI, um, having to remember everything from back, <laughs> back at university, yeah. Um, and I worked for, I think it was around uh, five months, and then I moved on to be an OV. Um, when I started as OV, Uh, Then I worked in uh, several different places, uh, like you and Juan, I I, I loved working with people. Uh, But I have to say, sometimes it's a struggle because obviously we're there to do enforcement and and the FBO is not really uh, completely happy about it. So, I mean, you have your team to rely on. And you work as a team with your fellow ENJ colleagues and the FSA. So if you work well as a team, you have that support in the plant, which is everything, because without that, it's just you struggling against the FPO, and it makes your life a lot harder. And I started uh, doing exports more often. So I'm I'm, uh, mainly doing exports now, And it's a whole different world. And now with Brexit, we have these Jeff's visits that I'll be doing as well. And uh, so everything is changing and we have to adapt. And uh, we are very good at that because we are so flexible in our jobs that uh, it makes it easier. And uh, how was it back in the days, Juan? I mean, uh, in some
3: way it was uh, similar from the very beginning. I mean, um, what you have to bear in mind that uh, the big change uh, for the public health sectors uh, here for the veterinarians came in 1983, when the single market started. It's funny that we're talking about 1993 when the single market started. I mean, in less than three weeks, it's going to end and finish. It's sad at the same time. But anyway, the difference was back in those days, I did my OV course in 1993, and I was the only foreigner at that time. They were all British. So basically, when I started to work, most of the slaughterhouses didn't have a, a, a veterinarian in place, they only have meat inspectors because before 93, obviously, we were doing exports because uh, any product uh, that uh, was going across to Europe needed an export certificate. So vets were only required to do export certificates in the slaughterhouses in, in England, with exception in Scotland. In Scotland, they had, uh, every single slaughterhouse ha- had a, a veterinarian. So basically, it was different, and it was different in the way that the, uh, the the food business operators LPO they were not used to have a vet they didn't understand why I have to be there they were saying this is a, a Europe imposing it and they was they were not happy so it was a bit uh, uh, difficult at that time and uh, and uh, we needed to to, to to demonstrate to them that that we were needed that, we were there to help, we support, to make sure, produce, uh, uh, you know, products that it's safe for the public health and everything. So, obviously, with the time, things uh, changed.
4: I'm talking about the past, but I guess we all want to know uh, what we feel like, how is it going to change because of Brexit? So, Juan, do you have... uh...
3: I don't know, where should I start? I'm very worried about... Brexit because in the sector of public health uh, we could uh, potentially come back to pre-90s uh, situation where uh, veterinarians were not required in the slaughterhouse and they only had the supervision of a meat inspector that they are very important. The meat inspectors are, or official auxiliaries as we call in, in Europe and they, the they role and function is extremely important but they cannot Uh, do the same job as an official veterinarian. They don't have the same training. They don't have the same knowledge. So I'm very worried that they could say, okay, those plants that are not going to do export, medium and small plants just for domestic uh, uh, market, they could say that they don't need uh, a veterinarian. So this is my worrying about the Brexit. What is uh, your feeling, uh, Andrei? Uh,
2: Exactly like you said, I mean, Uh, uh, for the for the moment okay we are those which are working food industry especially in the slaughterhouses most of them are immigrants yeah however there are still a lot of british vets which are working in uh, for animal and plant health agency so i've met few british students uh, veterinarians which were interested for the for the job in uh, in the slaughterhouse i will mention that the the culture for veterinarians here in uk was more specific for clinic it wasn't like we were teach that it's having this side as well and you are protecting actually the the whole population protecting the outbreaks or anyway if you're looking on numbers <laughs> what uh, how much it costs a society a food which is not fit enough for to be eaten it's quite it's quite big so I'm afraid of the, what you're saying, that uh, for the small businesses, the, the veterinarians will be will not be used anymore. And if you are looking on the numbers that FSA is reporting, that we are reporting to FSA and to AFA about welfare cases, for example, breaches of, of welfare regulations, which every month are, uh, on the, on the level of the country, it's quite high. So I'm thinking if a vet will not be there it might be that person might be much more inclined to say, you know what, maybe welfare is not so important. I'm optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. Uh, I'm seeing uh, multiple scenarios, but it's it's uncertainty, which is still in the air.
4: I quite agree with you both. I think that um, most places require a vet anyway to do exports. So, I mean why are we going to have two different levels of uh, standards in the slaughterhouses? Is that how is it going to work? Uh, so, I mean, British people will eat uh, meat that is not by vets, but then we export, uh, well, better between codes uh, meat that is going out. I mean, it, in the end, it doesn't make sense. I think, uh, I, I really don't know. I guess we'll say it's not long until
2: you point it well. I mean, if I would be a British citizen and thinking that what is exported from my country is having a better standard than what I'm having in the butchery, I wouldn't be happy. However, uh, I think this is uh, something that I don't know. I'm having, I'm having colleagues which are working for Food Standard Agency, uh, agency in Scotland and the culture is a bit different and the approach to FBO between the authorities, between the FSS and the FSA. Uh, in my opinion, it's just that sometimes, it's at, the end of the, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be just a business. It should, the customer should be the principal beneficial, not just to draw a line and let's see if it's profitable or not. It should be, is it safe enough? Is it enough, safe for our public? Not if it's just, uh, I mean, okay, the money, as in everything, are having their role. But this is a service which, even though if it will not be an, uh, profitable enough, should be should be uh, held by the government just to make sure that that, that the things are, are in order.
3: Yeah, another aspect of the, the Brexit is uh, how is that inf- going to influence or colleagues from you to go and work here. You know, at the moment, it's, uh, it's extremely easy. You are recognized by the RCBS and you just need to, to jump in a plane. Now, after Brexit, you cannot just jump in a plane and come here. You need a visa. And, and a visa is going to be the same if you're coming from uh, uh, portugal spain and if uh, you come from i don't know from mexico or or, or the states or if you come from any other country so europeans uh, we're not going to have any advantage uh, you know uh, towards the the other nationalities and to get uh, a visa is expensive for a long process and there are much more requirements so that's going to be ten times more difficult for for one of our colleagues several years to come. And maybe they might not feel that attracted now. I mean, obviously we're watching the news in our own countries about Brexit and, and for instance in Spain, The perception is no good. The perception is the British are very selfish and they they want to get back their own empire and they don't want to do anything with Europe. And I I defend that when I go to Spain and say, no, really. I mean, most of the people are extremely open for those things. I I don't have that view. But uh, unfortunately, that is uh, what it is among the the, the young people. They might feel like, I don't want to go to UK now to work. You know if they don't want to do anything they don't want to be connected to europe i don't really like that so that is going to be um, a very bad uh, aspect for the veterinarian in general here so if they're going to make it more complicated for european vets to come here we're going to be struggling to 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 get enough vets uh, for anything. you know not just talking about the sector of public health, talking about the small animals and and, and any other sectors. And, and they, they, it's clear that they don't provide enough veterinarians in this country. I know that they have opened a, a new vet school, and I think that's extremely important, and it's good news. But it still will be a long way before we can supply enough vets in this country for the massive demands that we have now. And having Brexit and having these difficulties it's going to be a big, big struggle for, for the profession. How do you see that, Sarah? How do you see the impact of the, of the Brexit?
4: I have to say, I think we'll have to wait and see. We really want what's best for the country. And uh, I don't think that would be Brexit, but uh, it's happening. So I hope in the end that come to a point where everything will just uh, be okay again. I, 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 I see many people already leaving the country. Uh, many Portuguese, I have groups on Facebook, and many of them have, have decided to leave because of the uncertainty of how everything is going to be. In the beginning, it will be chaotic. It's like the experts. Everything will be chaotic and we'll have a lot of work and we'll work a lot of hours in our sector just to make sure that public health will still be a priority and uh, to make sure all the food is safe and to do all these exports if there's no deal and we have to start doing them for every, every country in, the, in Europe, which will be a lot. <laughs>
3: No, it will be impossible to, to cover all the exports. Another, what is annoying is that we were supposed to know yesterday if there was deal or no deal. I mean, thanks God, it was no no deal. So that's the only positive thing. But at the same time, they are just postponing, postponing to, to, I don't know, I suppose, to, to the last minute. And there will be no time for preparation. And that's 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 ridiculous. And then we we'll get to that... Uh, to that point but yes i mean um if they manage to get a deal and that deal is a benefit for 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 everyone that would be great and obviously we want the best for 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 great britain because we live here and-
4: what kept me here uh all well these years so just three years really but what i've been keeping me here is knowing that i'm making a difference So I'm making a difference in that animal's life today. I'm making sure that all the animals I see are treated with respect and their welfare is guaranteed. I'm making sure that all the food is safely, um, in a safe manner done in the slaughterhouse and there are no risks for uh, human consumption. It's, It's a very important job that we don't actually acknowledge or people actually don't acknowledge because it just comes into light when we have uh, food poisoning that affected uh, how many people so this came from somewhere from um, either handling the carcasses like they shouldn't not it doesn't have to be from the slaughterhouse really we have the transports we have a lot of parts that are part of the public health. We're just there to make sure that everything that is done in our supervision is done in the best way possible. Because obviously we don't want people to get sick from the food they eat. So it's a very important job. Um, It's very rewarding in that aspect. And I have to say welfare, Uh, Being, for me, is the most difficult part because I suffer with the animals. I mean, I'm not one of those people that goes there and looks at the animals and is impartial. I go there and sometimes I touch them and I feel them. And uh, it's like my way of saying, okay, you you are here with a purpose, but uh, everything was okay. You're okay. You were loved, if I can say it this way. And um, I just want them to have the best slaughter possible, humane, and that's what uh, I am for every day. With export is exactly the same. We just, we are there to make sure that they actually export what they are saying and everything is, is okay. And we are testing that that food is safe for other country to consume it. It's a very important job in the end. And when you're in clinic, I guess you have to struggle sometimes with difficult clients and every day is different. So it's... It's a different world. Maybe sometimes you work long hours, but if you do, you work just four days. And this is so important. We are not on call, we don't do nights. So I think it's a good option for people to think about it.
3: Just to say that, uh, especially nowadays, that we have a, a new concept called One Health. And this concept is really, really important. And it's for once that they are bringing together the animal health and the, the, the human health and the environment into this uh, one health concept. And I think that is a very attractive point. It's uh, basically, you can feel that working as a veterinarian in public health has got a lot of contributions to the society, uh, to the public, and to everyone. I don't think uh, uh, normal people from the street uh, knows that there they are vets uh, working in public health. What does it mean, a vet working in public health? When I sometimes explain that I work in the slaughterhouse, I like, say, do you save the animals that are going for slaughter. I say, no, that's not the... <laughs> And the function of the of the veterinarian is is just making sure that the animal welfare standard is, uh, is to the top and those uh, animals are treated humanely and uh, you making sure that the end product is uh, a fit for human consumption so it's a it's a very much uh, uh, a very important, sorry, job uh, with a lot of uh, responsibility. So I think uh, uh, this is for me the, the, the most important part of vet uh, uh, for public health. It's uh, the responsibility and the contribution you have to the society. That's the way I will summarize it.
2: Maybe I'm thinking with the times, the British vets will see in this uh, future career, exactly like my my colleague Sarah was saying. Uh, this is just the beginning in food safety, and with what uh, Juan was saying, with one health, everything is interconnected. It might be, it might be a good option for the for the British vets as well. So I think in time, this this culture for vets in food safety can be built here as well.
1: The second part of this episode was recorded on the first of September, 2022, 15 months after the trade agreement came into effect. All three of these participants work as official veterinarians for Food Standards Scotland.
0: My name is Evangelos Katsoulis. Uh, please call me Evan. Well, I come from Greece. I uh, graduated from Greece University of Thessaly, and I came to the UK in Scotland, particularly in two thousand fifteen, for some postgraduate studies Uh the University of Glasgow. And then I started working as an OV in 2016, starting from the south area around Glasgow and northern uh, down to the borders and then moving to Central Belt, I mean Dandino, uh, covering that area as well. And for the past Uh, three years, I was the supervisory OV as well. Um, I was involved also in audits and approvals uh, for either newly built or already established businesses. Um, But now I'm back uh, working in uh, an abattoir, specifically game handling establishment. Uh, So mostly working with wealth game now,
5: Great and I'm uh, Arabella White. I graduated from Liverpool University in 2020 and I'm originally from the UK and my first job was with Food Standards Scotland so I moved up to Scotland uh, from where I'm from in West Sussex in 2021 just at the beginning uh, of the year for uh, the new role that had been set up for uh, certifying fishery products so certification obviously exit of uh, the UK from the EU meant that Certification would be needed um, and Foostander Scotland had opened and set up three fishery export hubs. Uh, So I moved up for that role, Certification um, Officer. Um, And then after about 10 months, I moved into the role of uh, Interim Operations Manager. And more recently, I've moved to Area 1. So managing the, the vets and the abattoirs in Area 1, which is the northern part of Scotland.
6: I'm uh, José, José Rodríguez, and I graduated in 2000 in Spain, in the University of León. So what happened is that in a time, you know, in between work, I became an employee. I said, I'm going to come to to Scotland. and It has been 17 years uh, since then. So uh, the Scottish people must have done something uh, with me, something good. I have to say that I first came to work in UK in 2002, first as a meat inspector, then as an OB. I returned to Spain. I spent three years working as a food safety advisor for the poultry industry, and finally with uh, Food Standards Scotland, all this time working as an official veterinarian. And um, well, so far I have been involved in different activities, official controls, I have been involved in audits. Currently, I'm involved in uh, animal welfare assessment, certification, uh, and as I have said, in official controls.
5: I was just going to ask Jose, particularly, you've been here a long time, and have you seen any change in the, the landscape of OV work? Um, since, since you've arrived and also Evan yourself also, have you any change in kind of um, the type of vet that is doing the work or where the vets are from, that kind of thing?
6: But yes, there has been uh, um, a lot of changes, a lot of difference. The way in which we have been involved on the official controls, the way in which the official controls are delivered. I remember back in the year 2002, where we had to send a bunch of papers to to, to York, to headquarters. Now everything is electronic. And in relation with all the vets come from, I have to say that probably there's a difference in the profile because on my first year, that, at least in my perception, used to be a destination of, you know, new graduates to come here to work for a few years, get experience, get some English, and then come back. Right now, uh, due to the difficulties of the Brexit, I think that if you want to work in the UK, in Scotland, you need to be convinced because if you can here, it, it cannot be for a few months. Let's put it like that. I'm happy to say that more and more Scottish vets, more British vets coming to, to, to join us uh, because probably previously it was not perceived like a work that a vet could do. And I'm happy to say, that right now, uh, you know, on the veterinary schools, there's more uh, and more awareness about the importance of the veterinary role of the veterinary professional on public health.
0: Yeah, so from my side, obviously, Jose has been here longer than me. Actually, he was one of the people that uh, I did induction, did inducted me in uh, his abattoir and helped me through my journey as a novice OV changes I've seen are very small compared to what you just described, Jose. Um, But the biggest one is that used to be that Hallmark was the contractor that was bringing in vets to work on behalf of FSS. Whereas now we are directly employed by FSS. um, And yeah, obviously, this makes the job a lot more attractive at least from my point of view, than what it used to be it's a government job, so it's way more secure, um, and I think it leads to maybe um, improve how people view this part of the veterinary profession, uh, maybe and not only the veterinary students but the public as well. Um, I don't know how the curriculum in the British universities and the, and the veterinary universities. Uh, back home, it's a bit different because it doesn't only focus on meat, uh, it goes over to dairy products as well, milk, uh, fish, and seafood. So it was a bit of, a, it was interesting when I came here and I wanted to work in public health anyway, uh, but was it was weird at first, I was only meat and nothing else.
5: Yeah, I think it's interesting um, just touching on you know how how the veterinary public health is taught really you know you talking about your experience in in Greece and obviously graduating in 2020 from Liverpool University and I think across the board in UK universities I don't think they're too dissimilar in in the fact that the public health part is quite narrow uh, and quite limited I would say Um, and it is heavily on the clinical side I think obviously there is a lot to learn on the clinical side, but the public health bit, I think from my kind of experience and friends, is that it's not kind of given as much kind of importance as it should do. I think majority of students tend to dismiss it slightly.
0: No, it was the same for, for us. Uh, I mean, I'm the only one from my year that I know of, at least, that went into public health. Everyone else works with either pets or uh, farm animals. But until a few years ago, I was the only Greek vet in FSS because even me, when I started yeah, the first year, I had no idea about that part of the veterinary profession, I didn't realize it. I'd never had understood any. I mean, I knew that there were being uh, official controls and tests done and inspections on the food before it's released to the public, but I had no grasp of who does it. and. Uh, All all the details, how the sausage is made, as they say.
6: (laughs) Uh, I I could say something about uh, the importance of our profession, guys. I mean, how important it is. If you think how many people could eat the meat that I have produced, that my avatar has produced today, probably thousands. And if you think that if we miss something, we are like the goalkeeper, uh, people eventually could die. And if you think that we have a unique opportunity uh, on the animal health point of view, I'm always trying to put through, to prove how important is our profession and how uh, how important is the role of the pet because I believe that we are the best treated professionals because we have the knowledge of pathology and how these pathologies could impact on the human beings. And that is what make us you know, um, ideal to, to cover the public health.
5: Yes, I definitely agree. It's really important. And I think it's, from my kind of knowledge or background in it, it's just frustrating, I find, at times, that it isn't talked about more, or in the wider kind of veterinary world, it isn't necessarily seen as a greater part as it should be. And I think within vet schools, within students, I think, it personally, does go right back to students. Obviously, the image of a vet normally is you know, one out there clinically helping animals. And I think obviously you go to vet school with that in mind. um, And that seems to be what your fixation is. And you don't really want to deviate from that. Um, But ultimately, I think it is about educating not just the veterinary community, but everyone in in the work of vets. you know, when I speak to people and tell them what I do. I get quite into it. And I'm really, really like explaining all about it. Um, And the the first question I get is, well, what practice do you work in? And I'm like, well, no, I don't work in a practice. This is what I do. And they're like, oh, I had no idea that vets were doing that work. And I'm like, I know, no one knows. (laughs) So I think it's just really good to chat to people. And yeah, I'd love there to be a fly on the wall documentary or, you know, we we get all these clinical vet programs but I'd love there to be a another one of the other veterinary work as, as Jose said that is so important and that vets do it day in day out and it's vital job There's just so much that you know you cover we're in certification obviously that's a whole new realm really for most vets um since the explosion of Brexit and there's a lot that I think as vets you might be expected to do a certification but we weren't really taught about it at vet school it was follow the 10 principles when you you know you get your authorization from the Royal College and that's it really you're left to figure it out from yourself but uh, I think with so many variety of certificates there are out there you know vets are doing that important work and taking it on because of their you know professional qualification but again it's it's something that is so vital and um, really up and coming I think in the veterinary world and that also needs kind of support and talked about.
0: Yeah, it has begun has become more and more prominent uh, in most abattoirs. Not all of them do exports export straight from their premises, but yeah, it was uh, it is completely different than what it was before Brexit. Now it's almost it's all the time. Those particular days there have support officers that come in to help the OV complete the checks and the paperwork has become uh, quite busy. Um, And yeah, apart from the online course from Improve International that we do to get the APHA stamp uh, and everything else, after that is just, um, you know, you're left on your own to to figure out stuff. And it's very frustrating when everything is fine, uh, the products are, um, tick all the boxes, uh, follow the legislation and everything, and then it just, uh, something missing on the paperwork and it gets redirected or something or every at some point every country seem seem to have something some different requirement you know not a blue pen red pen and this way or that way and it comes down to bureaucratic stuff at the end of the day it's really really annoying sometimes
5: yeah i completely agree and i feel um as the vet obviously you're kind of the last person Responsible for doing that certificate, but a lot of work has gone on in the background. You know, getting the export together, the logistics company, and then it's all on you. And there's, I think, there's a lot of pressure on vets, you know, to. Uh, to sign you know to certify products ultimately you can't if you don't have everything that you need but I think exports are a big business um, and that's something that now vets are really at the forefront of uh, and you are the last link in the chain and Them leaving with that export health certificate it, it's not going to happen you know in lots of cases and I think yeah training for vets on that is is a new thing really uh and as evan said you know reading all that legislation interpretation of legislation um definitely isn't something that we that i covered at vet school
0: how were the how was the situation in the fish hub Arabella?
5: yeah so fish hubs there's three of them in the central belt of scotland and all the fish comes down from all over scotland highlands and islands orkney shetland and then the hubs um that's where the fss vets are based uh, to actually complete those export health certificates on behalf of the exporter that's um, obviously exporting it to the EU, mainly to France. And in the beginning, yes, we had quite a few challenges in, like you touched on, you know, mentioning the different uh, BCPs, even within the same country, um, having different ideas about what they wanted to see on those certificates. And it is very frustrating as a vet because you are doing that certificate to the best of your knowledge. You are completing it accurately and you're following all the instructions and you've got every confidence in it. But ultimately, if you just miss one box, (laughs) if you just didn't certify one simple line and you're doing it in a foreign language as well, because um, at the moment they're all physical copies and they're in in the language of the um, BCP that it's going to. So and it's, it's very frustrating when you've done, you know, you're doing a lot of work. You're doing quite a few export health certificates that we process in the hubs. And for for one small misdeletion, it's rejected. (laughs) Um, And it's an awkward conversation, because ultimately, as a vet, you have to admit that, yes, you didn't maybe delete that one small box or or that line. Um, And it is down to to your work, ultimately. But it's so frustrating when um, it's something so small and you just at times, um, we really wish that there could be a little bit more tolerance really completely agree if it's completely wrong and there's lots of errors on a certificate but for very small minor things i think that's where the frustration comes in but i think we have seen a positive progression i think in the hubs i would say um obviously we've been running for yeah a year and nine months now which is as it seems to have flown by, but um, I think maybe we've got more confident with it. I think in the beginning it was all, all kind of new; everyone was getting used to certificates, used to stamping and certifying, and making sure you did it in the correct way. Whereas now I think the team have been doing it for so long that it's become a bit more second nature. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting one, and I think obviously hearing you know discussions uh, that are ongoing with kind of DEFRA or, uh, and APHA, there are still. Issues with certain BCPs and exports and frustrations are still happening because, you know, people are getting mixed messages as well. So <laughs> it's it's an ongoing struggle, really, diplomacy and politics that vets are now in the mix of, I, I would say.
0: How about you, Jose? Do you have any situations in down
6: there? Quite a few. For instance, some European country complaining because we were using blue pens in a set of, of red pens. Difference between... <laughs> Well, very important for certification. I'm being ironic, by the way. And I fully agree with uh, Annabella on saying that at the end of the day, you could have read, understood uh, upside down uh, the instructions, but if there's a specific uh, instruction from a BCP, you better comply. Because even if you are right, and you know that you are right, you may need to report this to the Commission. A decision could take weeks or even months to, to come up. So, OK, you want a red pen, so will be. Sometimes you could see that some of the points, they are not that much related to food safety standards, which is the bottom line, but to politics.
5: Obviously, we are all vets, but we're all civil servants, and we're all working for the government, really. And um, that's definitely what attracted me to, to the role. I'd. Um I d- recognize that working in the civil service there are lots of um, opportunities and there are lots of connections you can make and you're a vet. I definitely feel like I'm a vet first and foremost Um, but I recognize that your veterinary qualification is fantastic and there's so many things that you can do with it Um, there's so many skills you have and you can apply that to so many different roles, so many different challenges because we're quite unique individuals, I think, in, in our training and in, in how we approach everything. And yeah, working working as a government vet, which I definitely tell people I am, um, just exposes you to how things work behind the scenes and all the legislation that goes on and why things are done, you know, what's important, what we have to follow, why we do things and understanding, you know, the wider kind of context of the work that we do. I think as vets, again, it's, it's a funny thing that you're so animal focused, um, but you know, very quickly learned that all animals have people <laughs> around them, and I love being part of a team, working alongside people to resolve issues, to get things done, all, all with an animal welfare kind of undertone, which is why I wanted to be a vet in the first place, and uh, what I still hold true to this day. You know, we're all working for that goal. We're all uh, care about that. About the animal welfare.
6: I don't know if you guys have seen the film of the Last of the moicans Yeah. At the beginning, they are chasing a deer, they shoot the deer, they kill the deer, and they pray to the spirit of the deer for the gift that uh, that animal has given to their people, because they meat they could eat, and they would not starve. My feeling for that is quite strong. We need to protect the animals at that stage, and if we don't do it, uh, no one else is going to do it. I'm still a vet. And I'm still uh, protecting uh, animals. And this is one of the, probably one of the most important points of my job, the animal welfare.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with both of you, especially feeling of achievement after you help the food business operator and the business improve in uh, food safety and food hygiene aspects of uh, their production. You basically see the results of. Obviously, your your work as well. Sometimes I know we have to go to the other extreme and go to enforcement and increase enforcement if need be. All the OVs know it's not always uh, easy to help achieve compliance, but if you do it and then go down the line, you know either a year or more, and you see that they continue to to do good and everything is uh, as it should be, and they are. I, you know they are successful and they keep uh, keep their place there. And it's really it's really satisfying. When I started, I didn't really think I would be in this position, working in this sector. But uh, I really I really enjoy it. I mean, obviously, you know, me and you, Jose, will deal with uh, food business operators directly. But you're a are on the outside, obviously, supervising and observing everything. So how different is it from a ops point of view?
5: I think there's a few well different challenges but same kind of skills that you're using I I would how I would describe it you know there's a lot to think about you get pulled in lots of different directions but I can appreciate that that probably is the same for for you working you know you're always there's always someone needing your time and you're always stretched for time there's a lot of prioritization that goes on a few more meetings I guess to attend uh, and keeping an oversight of everything which You know, as a vet, you're used to juggling either cases, clinical cases or your day to day work. You used to, I think you have that skill or you need that skill, don't you, to survive in some way. So for me, I really like it because I I still am a vet and I still get to work with vets really closely, you know, in the field. But also kind of tapped into other things that might be going on and working well, working efficiently. All kind of challenges that I think a vet can can bring to the bring to any role. Yeah, you know,
6: I, I, I really sympathise with you guys. You have the OB trying to do the enforcement and then the industry say, no, and then mm, we need to find the, the right point in the middle.
5: Yeah, I think diplomacy is... <laughs> I think for everyone, diplomacy is is a skill, isn't it? Breaking bad news or <laughs> having to find a way to work together that might not be the easiest. Um, it's definitely the skills that you have to kind of sharpen up, I think, quite <laughs> quite quickly. But ones that are rewarding, you know, like you were both saying, you know, if you if you get improvements, if if you can find a way to work in tricky situations um, and you get a positive result, I think that really is such a rewarding experience.
6: What we want to do is get the most positive uh, outcome and diplomacy. And Annabella, I, I fully agree with you. <laughs> we should go to the school of diplomacy after the better school.
4: Yes. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I definitely think so. And yeah, thinking of a vet school, they try and teach you some think communication skills is what it was called, but well, there's nothing like actually being in the real world and, <laughs> and getting thrown out there to, to practice them. But another one that, you know, you can add to your veterinary portfolio in a way, you know, you, you take your kind of science and you know, knowledge from your degree, um, the bulk of it anyway, but then you can gain so many further skills Every day in in the actual work that you're doing, you know, forever learning, I think, is is definitely a theme of the profession, isn't it? You're always doing continual professional development. And I think you're always doing that uh, in any veterinary job you undertake.
6: And I think that these soft skills are so important because even if, I mean, in any work, uh, any field of the veterinary profession, you need to work with your customers. If you work in a practice, uh, you need to convince uh, the one bring dogs or the farmer or your food business operator, this is the best thing to do. Communications skills, conflict resolution, become a key part of our profession.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the main thing I've heard from vet graduates that this is the part that they were not prepared for. Not specifically speaking about public health, but even in practice, as you mentioned, you're not prepared to come face to face with all the different clients and all the different owners and patients.
5: How have, how have you both found that um, kind of the veterinary public health has changed then in the last couple of years? Um, do you think you would have made the move to the UK since obviously the UK's left the EU? How, how, how is it viewed now?
6: I, I think in that uh, talking with uh, friends, uh, with my vet friends in Spain, the perception is that uh, probably it's more difficult, which is true, but and quite likely we are, uh, I mean, European bets, we are not uh, welcome. But what I keep saying is that, okay, despite the requirements could be harder, uh, I could not say a bad word about how, uh, you know, the veterinary profession is uh, supporting the, the new bets coming from the European Union. Obviously, the veterinary profession in Greta need to to protect themselves and make sure that the standard of the professional kept. no matter where you come from, if you come from Spain, Greece, or Aberdeen, standards need to be the same. And then, at the beginning of the Brexit, there was a low limit on the salary. Then it was clear that in some cases, for instance, when we were working for private contact, the salary was below that limit. And then the salary has to to raise because if we were wanting to work in UK, you want to work in UK coming from a European Union, you need to to have a, a minimum error. So probably these are the difficulties to to come to Britain. But other than that, on the positive side, what I would say is that probably working in UK here in general, you are used to the the conditions of, of, of all the workers, which is important because we all want to to have a a
0: life balance? It's more or less the same uh, as Jose described. I mean, some things apply exactly the same to Greece as well as in Spain, I would presume. Work life balance is the first thing um, they hear from friends as well. Start and then you finish. You, you don't know. Some days keep going on and on. <laughs> But I'm not sure if, uh, what my decision would be if I decided now to move here. Uh, when I came here it was for studies initially, I never had a thought of staying longer than that, but it just, uh, came to mind. See, you know, let's try it. See if it sticks any data. Actually, I uh, really enjoyed living in Scotland. Even if the weather is <laughs> like this. I've only, I only have positive uh, things to say people are the most not the best part really, and that's what made me stay. But also yeah, working conditions, uh, especially now work-life balance, the salary, absolutely. Uh, and as I said, it's a government position, so it's a secure job and veteran profession, uh, you know, there's a huge request for vets, especially now. Now a lot of my colleagues and some of my friends have um, relocated to the UK before Brexit and they will remain here. None none of them has, has left. I don't know if any others that will try and relocate now, um, but obviously with the request for vets as it is, I, I wouldn't think it would be that difficult. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure businesses are, or practices or whoever else is willing to help with the visa and uh, everything else like that. Uh, so for VET specifically, uh, I don't see, um, I mean, yeah, it, it, won't be as easy as, you know, jumping into the plane and landing here and that's it, but I would say it would be more or less the same. However, judging from me, um, I mean, I stayed without much of a thought. So I, I think if I did the same, I would probably land here again, uh, if I stayed and think about it
6: on my last two years in Spain, I spent a lot of time uh, traveling between my hometown and Madrid, the capital and the center. And on my first week in Glasgow, where I arrived, I was thinking, ghost, is the first time in two years that I'm fully unpacking because my life before, and I think that is quite common on new graduates down in European Union, it's okay, you are commuting between one place and another. The big point to come to work in UK is that you could start a life, which is a very important thing. Just make roots, get set in some place and just start to live, not only work.
5: I think it's tricky in the world of public health, like the things we've touched on, um, because it's not the, the desired route when people think of being a vet. And it's not the first thing that comes to mind. And during the course, it's very hard, I think, for people to think differently. In my experience, people come to it um, from the UK anyway, a bit later when they've actually realised what the job entails or what, what they could get out of it. And maybe they've, you know, kind of thought actually clinical doesn't, exactly fit with what I thought it would be as well I think it's difficult obviously you decide to be a vet normally when you're quite young (laughs) to get on the hunt of um, exam and qualification you know bandwagon of passing things and and getting to university so I think for me for the you know for the future it's about educating people a bit more about what the job entails and and what your veterinary degree gives you I really think that needs emphasizing obviously being a vet is a vocation and the veterinary degree is very um, focused on on the clinical side but really talking about the veterinary degree in a bit more of a broader sense everyone would benefit from that or not diminishing the clinical side at all but just really talking about it as a great science degree that has so many possibilities.
6: Something else that I think that is going to be a game changer on the profession here in Scotland could be when the Scottish Veterinary Service is going to be implemented because that is going to involve that we could potentially get involved in all the fields of the profession. And just to give you a taste, for the standard Scotland obese, we have been trained to assist APHA on the bear flu outbreak. So now potentially we could go and check in farms to, to assist PHA produce report, which I think, as Annabella was saying, the veterinary profession, is so broad that we, we need to be ready to jump to every field if needed. And I think that one of the lessons of Brexit and even the, the COVID outbreak is that if things happen, we are going to adapt like very fast. And I think that we have proved that we are very good adapting fast to changes.
1: Thank you for listening to For The Record. Join us next time for more insights from underrepresented voices within the veterinary professions. If you would like to get involved in future episodes, please contact the RCVS Knowledge Archives team by email at archives at rcvsknowledge.org.